We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. This is the LakersNation.com live post-game show slash podcast. If you're listening to the podcast version of this over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure you follow us there. If you're joining us live right now from YouTube, from Twitter, from Facebook, welcome in. We're going to break down the Lakers' loss to the Philadelphia 76ers. Final score, 105-87. to Gosh, not what we wanted to see out of this one. Got bad news during the day today that LeBron James would be out of action for this game. Well, first we got the update that he was questionable. And then Frank Vogel told us right before the game that indeed LeBron would be out. And so without LeBron James, the Lakers do fall. Anthony Davis, nice performance, but we've got a lot of things to dive into. And I see already a lot of stuff queuing up here in our chat. Joining me tonight is Mark Gunnels from LakersNation.com. Mark, thanks for coming on. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing pretty good besides that game, but uh, everything else is good. <laughs> besides the one thing that we're here to talk about, you're here to yeah, agree. <laughs> yeah, besides that one thing, man. <laughs> this was certainly not a great well, – you know, I we're going to get into the specifics, but this really felt like a game where, it, where we've seen out of LeBron too – Anthony Davis was fantastic in this game. He was incredible. We've seen games where LeBron is incredible, and they wind up like Will Smith in the empty room. There's just, there's nothing else around there. They're kind of looking around going, what, what's happening here? They weren't getting any support. Anthony Davis certainly not getting support in this game from the rest of the team. Guys could not hit shots in this one, and that was certainly frustrating to watch. I'm sure I, I can see it in our chat. A lot of fans were frustrated that, Nobody seemed to be able to score. None of the other guys really stepped up to make up for LeBron being out. Yeah, I mean, look at the bench points. They only had 21 bench points today. And then outside of Westbrook, nobody else scored in double figures besides Westbrook and AD, obviously. So, yeah, very tough night. Only shot 40% from the field. And then look at the three-point percentage. I mean, that was that was the, really the big disparity in the game for me. The Lakers were 6 for, six for 29 in the the – the uh, the Sixers, I'm sorry, they were 13 of 35. So, I mean, they weren't even that great from three either. They shot 37%. But, I mean, if you shoot 20% from three and you're getting up 29 of them, that's pretty bad. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then you look at uh, the Lakers' turnovers. 17 turnovers in this game was pretty high. Now, I will say Philadelphia's defense was, was pretty good. They've got some length out there. They've got guys that were flying all over the floor. I thought their rotations – were nice yeah. uh, defensively. The Philadelphia 76ers look good, but part of that too was the Lakers not doing things to take advantage of opportunities that they were getting. And then when they did get looks, just not knocking down shots. So we're going to start breaking down some of the stats here and everything from the from the game. But um, I wanted to do I want to get into a couple of super chats before we get into the exact stat breakdown here. Let me see. I've got one right here. Matty James said, "Why was THT even in the game tonight? Every time he subbed off Monk." Reeves or Bradley, the lineup just got worse with THT on the floor. Bench him. You know, I don't want to give a, give away like our master lock or anything like that. I'm not saying it's going to go to him. But THT, this was not a good night for him. In fact, he was a team worst, minus 23. Minus 23 for THT in just 18 minutes. The Lakers got outscored by 23 points in the 18 minutes 
Taylor Horton Tucker was on the floor tonight. Seven points, two for eight shooting, one of three from three, two assists, one steal. That's it. There's probably not a, te- a lot of teams around the NBA looking at this game and saying, THT, yeah, I, I definitely want to trade for that guy right now. Yeah, and then that's very discouraging because on a night like tonight where you don't have LeBron, you would expect a guy like THT to step up and, you know, kind of fill in that role along with other guys as well. So this could have been a potential showcase game, you know, for your THTs and guys like that. And that definitely was not the case. I mean, like you said, his um, <laughs> his plus minus was higher than the minutes that he played in the, the wrong direction. <laughs> minus 23 only played 18 minutes. So that's definitely not a good sign. Absolutely, definitely not. Somebody in the chat mentioned mentioned Mark Malik Monk also got into w, double figures. Yes, I guess we should note that Malik Monk was also oh, double, yeah. just barely by eleven points, three for thirteen shooting. But you know what? Uh, I think because he shot so poorly, we looked at that as as not quite yeah. a, a great performance from him either. In fact, here let's get into some of the stats. Oh, I'm seeing the super chats coming flying in. By the way, guys, I grabbed the super chats, and then when they make sense to get into them, I try to get to them. So just know if. A, if he, uh, if it gets past me, or if you look, if it looks like it's been a little while and you think I missed it, most of the time I just grab him. I, I just grab him and we'll get to it in just a bit. All right. On the night, the bright spot, Anthony Davis, 31 points, four blocks, 12 boards, one assist, two steals, 14 at 21 shooting. He even had the mid-range shot working. And maybe he had an air ball or two in there as well. But but still, 14 to 21, you will take this. This was a great performance. In fact, on the night, I thought Anthony Davis outdueled Joel Embiid. And Embiid is an MVP candidate, maybe the favorite to be the MVP this season. And Anthony Davis, I thought I thought he was the best player in this game. Anthony Davis. That's how good he was. And I thought it was a nice reminder that, hey, AD, for everybody out there that was saying his return won't matter, it doesn't matter that he's back. No, he's a really, really, really good player. Like the Lakers yeah. lost by a lot tonight, but imagine how bad this would have been if Anthony Davis wasn't playing in this game. Yeah, I mean, it's good to see him get his uh, shooting stroke back and his confidence on your second game back. And big picture-wise, this is definitely a good sign when LeBron gets back to have a guy like that that can take over a game. I know obviously it didn't result in a win tonight, but you would imagine when LeBron's there, if he can keep that same mentality and still attacking and get his shots up. I mean, 21 shots, that's a really good sign. The fact that he felt that comfortable to even get that many shots up. And the four blocks, I mean, that's two games in a row now since he's been back. He's got four blocks in each game. So we're seeing the rim protection that he, that he provides. And I think people forgot about that. I mean, this guy was a defensive player of the year candidate, but not too long ago. So let's not forget about him as a rim protector as well that I think could serve well for this team in the long run. And, and we've talked about this a lot, but Anthony Davis, it's not just that he can be a rim protector. It's that he's a rim protector who can still guard on the perimeter. He's quick enough to do that. Like, okay, Dwight Howard, he can be a rim protector. Can he guard in the perimeter? No, he's going to get toasted out there. So if you have a guy like AD, the benefit and what makes him so special is his ability to defend smaller players when he gets switched onto them while still giving you that rim protection. That's part of why guys have a hard time driving past him because he's so big, so long, and he also has those quick feet. So it's easy for him to catch back up, block shots at the rim when guys try to take him off the dribble. So this is... I think important for the Lakers moving forward, if they're going to find success this season, getting Anthony Davis playing at the level we saw tonight is really important. And frankly, we haven't seen enough of Anthony Davis playing like this this season. This may be, I'd have to go back and look because there was a long gap there where we didn't see Anthony Davis. This might have been his best game of the season in terms of looking like the championship Orlando version of Anthony Davis. He wasn't that far off tonight especially against the opponent you're going against when you consider Joel Embiid, who I think is the MVP right now in my mind. So when you consider that factor, I think it's definitely was probably his best game of the year. Obviously, he wanted to result in a win, of course. But, I mean, hands to this game with no LeBron, realistically, I did not expect the Lakers to win this game. But obviously, you want the game to be more competitive than what it was. But give Philly credit. Like you said, they they had good rotations. They were flying around. They were contesting shots. But obviously, you still want to see like guys like Malik Monk. I thought this could have been a game where mm-hmm. Monk could have showed out, scored 20-plus points to kind of keep it respectable. And he only shot 3 of 13 from the field. Oh, anybody. Anybody. They needed one guy. They needed one yeah. guy to get going tonight to make up for LeBron. One guy to do something 
that they don't normally do. One guy who normally puts up like 10 points to go for like 25. You needed somebody to get hot. And, and they got the opposite. Everybody was cold in this one. They got the exact opposite. So that's that's where some teams, you'll see games where teams, they lose a star and somebody else or a few guys all raise their games up and they wind up getting a win. And you're like, whoa, they got that win even without this player? That's amazing, right? And the Clippers have done this recently. Just came back from 35 points down against the Wizards because a bunch of guys stepped up. The Lakers just, okay, somebody step up. And nobody, nobody had it tonight. And that's, and that's where, even knowing they didn't have LeBron, that's where the, a game like this can be frustrating because you just didn't see anybody really rise up to that challenge except for, for Anthony Davis. I mean, and look at look at Memphis, too, when they were missing Jaw for that stretch. <laughs> they were arguably better without him. <laughs> so, yeah. They, they were, it was to the point where fans in Memphis were mad when Jaw came back and they lost to the Thunder. They were telling him to go sit back down. Obviously, they're not saying that anymore. But, yes, you're right. They yeah. they had a team that stepped up when their star was out, and Jaw's incredible. I love watching him play. But, but yes, that was – it's crazy when you see stuff like that happen with other teams in the NBA and then the Lakers find themselves in that situation and doesn't happen. Now, tomorrow night, they play again against the Hornets. Will LeBron play? That's according to Frank Vogel. We talked to him before the game and he said he said LeBron is literally day to day. If tomorrow his knee feels significantly better, he'll play. They, they're not worried about getting more testing done or anything like that. His knee was just a little sore. So they said, OK, well, we'll rest you. If there was significant damage there, if he was really hurt, he wouldn't have gone out and been taking shots out, shots before the game. He was out putting shots up and everything, testing it out. I think he's going to be okay. I don't know if I'm counting on him playing tomorrow. If he does, great. But if not, the Lakers need someone to step up if they're going to get a win in Charlotte. They need a, a Malik Monk to get going. I, if it's if it's Carmelo Anthony, they need somebody to get hot in a way that they just didn't have tonight. Yeah, I mean, maybe it will be Monk. That's his former team. You know how guys get up against their former teams, especially on the road. So I can see Monk having a big game tomorrow. Yeah. And that may be a little tease for a Lakers point spread tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. We got to start thinking about that about that stuff already for uh, for tomorrow. All right. Let me get into a few Super Chats. By the way, it shouldn't be any surprise, but we always do the 360 award of the three stars. you got Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, 360. Who was the most impactful player? Who gets the award tonight? Very clearly, it's <laughs> Anthony Davis. Now, no LeBron playing tonight. LeBron has gotten the award almost every single night for the last month, it feels like, at least. Uh, but Anthony Davis very clearly gets the award over Russell Westbrook at this one, right? Yeah, there's nothing to really talk about. <laughs> I mean, 31 points, 14 of 21 from the field. The four blocks just really stands out to me that he had that on back-to-back -back games. Like, that's just really valuable. And a couple of those blocks, like you mentioned, were on guards. Like, when he switched and they were driving to the rim, they thought I had an easy layup. And, no, AD is still right there, right behind you <laughs> to put it on the glass. Mm -hmm. So that's an encouraging sign to see that he still is active on that end and then as well can get you 30 points at the same time. I've got Dre Johnson with a super chat said, do you guys think this was just a way to rest LeBron? So was this a sneaky load management game by the Lakers, not wanting LeBron to play in a back-to-back? -back? Do you think that, is there any truth to that? You know, it's crazy. I was just thinking in my head when we were talking about it to where if he played tonight, he probably wouldn't have played tomorrow. It was probably one of those things where LeBron, you're going to play one of these games. You're not going to play the other one. Which one? And okay, they're not going to play tonight because – you know, Philly, I mean, they're both pretty much the same team record-wise. They're pretty close. Mm -hmm. Charlotte and Philly aren't too far off. But maybe you're thinking, you know, probably still wouldn't have beat Philly even if I played anyway. So let's go get the for-sure win tomorrow. That's maybe the thinking. You know, there's no for-sure wins with the Lakers. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know. Maybe that's the thinking. I'm not 100% sure. But that's the only thing I can think of maybe. No. LeBron did express his frustration via emojis on, on Twitter. I, yeah, I saw that. I, yeah. And then maybe that's just him, you know, messing around or whatever, or making it sound like, making it sound like he's upset or, or whatever. I don't know. But um, I don't, I would think given the situation the Lakers are in, if LeBron was healthy and he's a guy who always wants to be on the floor when he can play, I, I would be surprised, but I understand why some people would be looking at this like, Hmm, could this be load management here? But for Lakers fans, I know it was especially frustrating when we announced officially LeBron's out. Um, 
a lot of people are frustrated because they just got Anthony Davis back. The sense was finally this team, this is the healthiest they've ever been. Oh, no, wait, never mind. No, LeBron's out. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just, it's it's been one thing after another all season long. And the sense was finally, okay, this team's going to get some chemistry. They're going to start putting it together. And oh, no, wait, now now the most important guy is is out. It yeah. just, just can't catch a break. Yeah. Yeah, definitely frustrating. But like you said, it's not major. Obviously, he was shooting around and stuff like that. So nothing to really be concerned about. And they're close to ending this road trip finally. So they'll come back home pretty soon. And then hopefully they can rattle a little win streak here together because they kind of been teetering with this 500 line back and forth. They don't want to they can't make up their mind. Do they want to be below 500 or exactly at 500 or just one game over 500? Like, can they kind of get some separation from being in that middle ground? We're kind of looking for that four or five game win streak to get some breathing room because I know Laker fans are tired of hovering around 500. It's like they've been doing this for all year, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, it would be it would be great if they could get above 500 and and stay there and consistently make make a run here. But they just and and that was that was kind of a this game too. Every time it felt like, oh, they're just about to catch. Oh, no, wait, there's a 9-0 Philly run. Okay, oh, no, wait, no, wait, they battled back. It's within two. No, no, another Philly run, right? That's just, that's, that's been their season too. Take a few steps forward. No, just kidding. We're going to take a few steps back again. Just can't quite get that traction right now. Uh, Guru said offensive poor is poor. Last time, uh, the same. Number one defense lost in the first round. I mean, the offense didn't look good, but no LeBron. I mean, that certainly matters. I also think Philadelphia's defense was good and the Lakers just flat out missed shots in this one. This was Anthony Davis on offense and not a lot else. Yeah. You know, and it's crazy because I was kind of thinking hence to the game, maybe this could be one of those games where, you know, when your best player is out, especially a guy like LeBron that is so ball dominant, mm-hmm. where maybe the ball is moving a little more quicker, the ball's hopping around and everybody's touching the ball and, guys are getting more opportunities than than what they normally would get instead of just standing in the corner waiting for LeBron to pass on the ball. So I was kind of maybe thinking that could be one of those games where, you know, guys just kind of get into a more of a flow because when LeBron's out there, you kind of get stuck into that, I'm just watching LeBron mode, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was hoping that this could have been one of those games, but that just wasn't the case. Oh, no. Esham976 said with a super chat, the Lakers are the Titanic and Russell Westbrook is the iceberg. Oh, with six turnovers. That's what he said, oh, with six turnovers. So, Russ, yeah. so I guess here's the thing, and we were talking about this a little bit in our, our Lakers Nation group group text. If you look at Russ's stats on the night, if we don't look at the turnovers, which he had six turnovers, yeah. which the turnovers, his usage is going to go up with LeBron off the floor. So an increase in turnovers is not unexpected from Russell Westbrook in this scenario. I'm not saying six turnovers is okay. I'm saying an increase in turnovers is expected given the circumstances. But nine for 15 shooting, two for three from three, four boards, three assists, one steal, one block, six turnovers for Russell Westbrook, 20 points. His percentages were pretty good. And yet I walked away from this game thinking this was not a very good Russell Westbrook game. What was your take on on what's happening here? Yeah, for me, it's kind of like, the typical Westbrook game. Like if you didn't watch the game, you just look at the stats, especially tonight. He actually shot the ball. Well, if you look at the the numbers, nine for 15 is a really good shooting night. But for me, the thing about Westbrook is always the timing of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like he seems to always turn the ball over at the worst time possible, or he takes the worst shot at the worst time possible. It's not the fact that he's taking bad shots. It's the time that he does it. Like, they're just big momentum killers. Like you said earlier, when you feel like the Lakers are, oh, they're making a little run, they're getting close, they cut the two, here comes a Westbrook contested three off the backboard. Like, it's just those moments. It's like he doesn't understand rhyme and rhythm of when to take shots, when to not take shots. So that's the thing. I think that's why you feel that way, because it's the way he does it and the time in the game he does it. It's always at the worst time, it seems like. That's an interesting point. I think I think you're right. It's almost like an anti-Kobe or anti-Jordan thing. It's like the reverse. Th- those are guys who they have this sense of the flow of the game. And, and LeBron has, has this as well, where 
If a game is starting to slip or a game is at a key pivotal moment, they know exactly when they need to push down on the gas pedal and when they need when their team needs them to make a play. They just have this this innate sense of it. Russell Westbrook seems to, and this is part of why his his turnovers and stuff can be very loud and why they get fans upset. At key moments when the team really needs him to make a play, he finds some way to do something that hurts the Lakers. And so that's that's where you can have a game like this where Russ puts up 20 points, shoots well, and you're walking away from it thinking, that wasn't a great performance by Russ. Yeah, yeah. It's just... It's just the it comes down to basically just understanding the moment. And like you said, it's the anti Kobe LeBron thing. He just doesn't understand what do my what does my team need in this moment? Or do they need a contested Westbrook shot that has a low percentage chance of going in? Like we wouldn't care if you did that. Maybe if the Lakers are up by 10, 15 mm-hmm. points, things are kind of rolling. Okay, we, we'll forget about that. But when they cut it to like they're cut it to six or four after being down by 15, and they got all the momentum coming, and you come down and shoot a 30-foot three. Like you're not a three-point shooter. Why are you doing that? And then you miss it, they come back down, make a three. Now you're back down seven or eight, and then the momentum is already gone. Like it's just those little things that just irritates Lakers fans about Westbrook. Well, I'll tell you something else that, that irritates Lakers fans, and this was um Damian Burchard, who who works for, for Lakers Nation, was in the building in Philly, and he sent along a bunch, bunch of pictures of Lakers timeouts. And this is where, on TV, they cut away. Um, Russell Westbrook was not in the huddle with, with the Lakers over listening to the coaches. He was, a few times, just walking away so he could go argue with the referees or was not engaged, not involved in what's going on with the team. And that's, that's maybe... That that could be heat of the moment. He was upset about a specific call. I it's not this isn't something that I can say we've seen every single game. I'm just saying it's something to keep an eye on because it's not a great look when the entire team is having a discussion and he's off somewhere else worried about something that doesn't involve the rest of the team. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, that's not a good look. That's not a good look. And like you said, you know, if you're watching the game on TV, you wouldn't have known that. And I saw the pictures, too, in the group chat, and I just shook my head, you know, because if you're the only one doing that, and it was multiple times, too. Like, it wasn't just one time. So, you know, it's kind of hard to defend. I could see maybe if it was one time, you know, we're going to a commercial break, and it was a real bad call you felt that went against you, and you want to kind of let the ref know about it. But it happened multiple times, man, and you know, especially in today's game when there's no LeBron, because LeBron's kind of like the de facto coach as well. We know that with Vogel. But when there's no LeBron and you're a veteran, you're like the oldest guy on the team basically at this point, you know, him and Ariza. So you're like the big voice in the locker room, in the huddle, you're supposed to be, and you're not even there? And LeBron's not there? Like, that's just not – that's not a good look. I mean, LeBron's not playing, so he's not, you know, he's not in the game. So that's just not a good look. And this is where uh, people don't question Russell Westbrook's intensity that he plays with, the effort he plays with, and everything. We're just saying not being in the huddle in that moment is, is not a good look. I think people pile on Russ a little bit too much to the point where we overdo it and people think, oh, he's he can't help you at all on the court. And I don't think that's the case. I think that he can. However, I'll also say that this right here, this exact situation, is why the Lakers got Russell Westbrook. As much as we want to say it's it's for LeBron or AD, eh, I mean, kind of. 
It was to have a third star, but it specifically, it was so when LeBron is out, everything doesn't fall to pieces. And so if, Le and not just in a game, but if LeBron is out for a game, Russell Westbrook can be a guy who can step up. That was part of the reason why they went and got him. This has been a problem for the Lakers for years. Ever since LeBron arrived, LeBron steps off the floor, the offense falls to pieces. Getting Russ was supposed to fix that problem. I don't think Russ made a, a positive impact on the game tonight in terms of getting a winner. If he did, it was not enough. And so in that aspect of, of what getting him was supposed to accomplish, this has been a failure. I don't think that you've been able to get away with not having LeBron on the floor because Westbrook is either just not fitting right or he's at a point in his career where asking him to bear that big of a burden is simply too much. And it could be a little bit of both there. So in that sense, and again, I don't think what Westbrook is useless on the court. I think he's a guy that can help you, but it's pretty clear that he can't be the guy that the Lakers brought him in to be. And that's discouraging. That's very discouraging because uh, I totally agree with you. When, when they got him, I was like, okay, the biggest thing for me, like you said, because, you know, LeBron's obviously 37 years old now. You don't want him to play all 82 games. And we know AD has a history of getting hurt as well. So you were thinking, okay, we still have this guy that's, you know, Westbrook for the most part is pretty durable. I mean, I don't think he's missed one game this year, right? He hasn't. He's the only guy. He's the only guy. He's missed the game. So, yeah, so he's a guy that you can count on to be there every night when you know AD's probably going to get nicked up here and there. And LeBron, you know, you, you want him to low manage a little bit because he's 37 years old. So you would think that Westbrook could be that guy to where, you know, when we put him out there by himself. Even tonight, he had AD with him, so it wasn't even by himself. So you would think those two guys could be enough to at least be competitive. I'm not saying you have to win the game tonight, but mm -hmm. to at least be competitive. And they weren't even competitive. Lost by 18 points. Yeah, you know, I mean, this... The Lakers only had veteran minimum contracts to give out along uh, around Russ, LeBron, and AD. Aside from what they gave Taylor Horton Tucker and uh, and Kendrick Nunn, who Kendrick Nunn's been out all season. So they've only they've got Russ, AD, and veteran minimums. That's what's on the floor tonight. Plus Taylor Horton Tucker and THT was was not good. It was not good. So when you're looking at that, the Lakers have put themselves in a situation where they needed to get a certain level of production out of Russ. And they couldn't. Now, if, if Russ was making $20 million and the Lakers roster had a few other guys that were at like $10 million, right? Some guys who could provide a little bit more consistently, I bet Russ would be looking a lot better because he wouldn't be asked to do quite as much as the Lakers have asked him to do. So part of it is the, the way the Lakers have put this team together. And part of it is Russ and the the burden that's been put on him because of the way the team's been put together. It's it's been kind of a mess the way that's all worked out. And that's why the people who are saying, well, let's, you know, try to trade him, trade him for for whatever. And um it, it's I, I don't see that happening. I think the Lakers have got to figure out a way to get production without relying on Russ to do the heavy lifting, because I don't think I don't think he can give you that despite hoping that that's what he would be heading into the season. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty clear. The Lakers need guys to outplay their contracts. They need guys to play above their contracts. Mm -hmm. Malik Monk, Trevor Ariza, you know, guys like that, Avery Bradley. Like, those guys are going to have to play beyond their, their minimum deals for this thing to work. Because, like you said, they don't have those 10 million guys that, you know, you can kind of count on to be like a consistent, steady guy night in and night out. They're going to have to have guys play above their head. And for the most part, Malik Monk has done that. He has been one of those guys that I think has outplayed his contract for the most part. I know he didn't play good tonight, but he's been a, a pretty bright spot for this team. All right, let's get into some uh, super chats here. Jorge Sandoval said, at this point, I talked to the Magic, offered DeAndre Jordan, Bazemore, and a first for Terrence Ross. Um, oh, THT, DeAndre Jordan, Bazemore, and a first for Terrence Ross. That's a lot to give up for Terrence Ross. Uh, gives us a wing that we need, creates a roster spot on for roster spots on the buyout market. Don't want to give up none. Start Ross, bench Monk. I like Terrence Ross, but I'm not including a first to, to try to go get him at this point. That's that's a lot to pay for Terrence Ross. He hasn't even yeah. shot that great this season if you look at, it, at his percentages. Uh, and again, I like him. I like him, but... I think you're overpaying there. 
Yeah, I like him too. He's a guy that the Lakers can realistically get, but I think for much less than that, <laughs> I don't think you have to go that far to get him. But I do think he could be a good piece here. I've always liked him off the bench. He's always like a, a jolt of energy. You know, he's a guy that kind of like, a, I kind of compare him to like a J.R. Smith. Like when J.R. Smith would come off the bench and, you know, he has, he's hot and cold, but when he's hot, man, he's, he, he can get going. He can get going. So he's a guy that I think the Lakers could use as an extra punch off the bench, especially since we don't know what's happening with Kendrick Nunn, really. And Kendrick Nunn, I thought he could have been that guy. And hopefully he still is. Mm -hmm. I still like him. I like that pickup a lot. I just, we just haven't seen it yet. Yeah, that's the other part that's been really unfortunate for the Lakers this season is that they they had they had that one mini mid-level exception that they could use to get somebody a little bit better than a veteran minimum, and they went with Kendrick Nunn, and the bone bruises kept him out the entire season so far. Uh, Dre Johnson, I'm convinced if Russ keeps playing this way, the John Wall trade will happen. So last we heard in terms of the John Wall trade, where it's at currently, it's on the table. If the Lakers want it, it's there. If they call up the Houston Rockets and say, okay, we're in, the deal is done, and Russ will become a Houston Rocket. But the Lakers would have to give up their 2027 first in order to do that, and I think they're absolutely right to say no. What we've heard is they have said no. This is according to Mark Stein. Um, the Lakers have said, nope, we're not parting with that first-round pick to swap out John Wall for Russell Westbrook. We don't even know that John Wall is better for Ru better than Russ. We haven't seen him play since last season. They've got reason to, to not do that deal, but... If you were desperate to move him, that's what the Rockets are trying to prey upon. The Lakers being desperate to move Russell Westbrook. The Lakers have said, no, we're not going to go that route. Um, I understand the Rockets wanting something, wanting something in that exchange, but a first round pick is simply way too much. And so I don't, I don't blame the Lakers for turning that down. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, it's not that big of a gap. I don't think between Westbrook and John Wall at this point in their careers, I will say, I think John Wall has a better sense of um, the game flow. I will say that. I don't think he takes as bad a shots and turns the ball over as much in crucial moments. So there's that. Neither one are great shooters, though. So, I mean, you know, it's kind of like one of those things, like when they traded for each other, when it happened, mm -hmm. I was like kind of basically trading for the same guy kind of a little bit. I just think uh, John Wall has a better uh, bad basketball IQ. That's one thing I could say. What if they expanded the trade? I've got a super chat here said trade Russ and THT and the 2027 pick. You might have to add in a contract here to make this to make this work. I think it might be, need a Kendrick Nunn in here. I'd have to look at the numbers, but trade Russ, THT, the 2027 pick for Wall and Christian Woods. Actually, Christian Woods is only at 13 million. That may work just like that. And he said, I'd give up two picks if we could just to make this happen. Would you do that? You get Christian Wood and John Wall. You have to give up your pick and THT plus Russ. So essentially, it's it's Russ for Wall swap. Maybe you see that as just a wash. Some people say Wall's better. Some will say Russ is better, right? But the 2027 first and THT for Christian Wood, add him into that. Is that a deal you'd do? I would do that. I would do that because I think Christian Wood is a guy that you can pair in different lineups. Like You could put him. You can go really big if you wanted to. You could put Wood and AD in there and have LeBron at the three, or you can have, you know, Wood play the five sometimes, or even play the four. Like, he's a versatile guy, kind of like AD in a sense. They're kind of similar. Obviously, AD's better, but as far as, like, their versatility and still being big at the same time, they're kind of similar in that sense. Then also, you know, you reduce the minutes of, no offense to Dwight Howard, if you have to go that route. Because, I mean, Dwight, he kind of is what he is at this point. He's not the same guy that even that he was two years ago in the bubble. Mm -hmm. Seems like he's kind of lost a step or two since then. So I think that would be a massive upgrade. I like Christian Wood a lot. A couple of years ago, when he was hitting the market, when it was very clear the Pistons weren't going to keep him, I was all in on the Lakers. I was hoping the Lakers were going to offer up a sign and trade Christian Wood coming to the Lakers in exchange for Kyle Kuzma. That was a move that I, that I was willing to make if I was the Lakers. Um, instead, he got signed and traded to the Houston Rockets. I still think he'd be an interesting fit. I don't know if the Lakers go down that path. Some people are saying, why would the Rockets do that? What we've heard is that the Rockets aren't that high on THT. So that may absolutely, you know, end that discussion. But maybe you loop in a third team that would be interested, send some stuff to the Rockets. It's an interesting concept. I would be more open to exploring that type of situation. Or even if it was Eric Gordon in place of Christian Wood in this scenario, I'd be more open to exploring that than a straight up Russ for Wall swap. 
Yeah, I agree for sure. I think definitely because now you get more variety there. Like I said, I think Wood, I mean, not Wood, I think Westbrook and Wall, for the most part, pretty much is a wash. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that really moves the needle too much. But if you could throw in like a Wood or even an Eric Gordon, then that kind of spices things up for you if you're the Lakers and you're more intrigued now. Maybe get a third team involved as well, like you mentioned. Isaiah Robinson said, I miss Danny Green with the way THT is playing. Those were simpler times. Oh, man. If you guys remember the chats from when Danny Green was a Laker. Danny, We're not doing this. <laughs> Danny Green, I got more complaints about Danny Green than I think any other any other player. People were, were just hating on Danny Green. And now we've got people saying, man, I wish we still had Danny Green. By the way, he shot pretty well tonight. He tends to do that when he plays against the Lakers now. Um, but look, Danny Green does have value to a team. I think he, there's a decent chance he could be a free agent this offseason. I don't know. Just throwing it out there. No, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? We do need to do the next man up award. And this is actually kind of a difficult one tonight. This is kind of a difficult one. So, this might be the hardest one all year. Oh, somebody said, Rogue said, you didn't read my super chat. Well, I saved them, so it could be I'm getting to this, but said, which was to put in the in Russ for the next man up award instead of the 360 award because he's not a star anymore, like AD or LeBron. Oof. I'm, I mean, he's not lying. Yeah, I, I can't <laughs> argue too much. We kind of went into it with this whole 360 concept, but in any event, and bashing Russ enough here, um, who who do you think should get who we talk about this in football, right? When there's a running back who we know is not very good, but you're hoping maybe you can get a few fantasy points on him. The phrase we use is, well, he might fall into the end zone, right? And get and get you six points. Maybe accidentally will stumble into a decent performance, not because he's good or did something great. He just kind of tripped over his two feet and fell into the end zone and got you some points. That's kind of what we're looking at with the next man up award tonight, because I don't feel like anybody was really all that good aside from Anthony Davis. So if you had to give somebody the next man up award, who do you think kind of fell backwards into it tonight? Do we really have to give this out, man? Like, <laughs> like this is like giving out a, partic a participation award. Like when your kid is playing and they like finish last place and they still get a trophy. <laughs> like I really don't know. Like I honestly don't know. Like, and I hate to say that. Like this is not good for the post game show. But seriously, like who do we give it to? I've I've got our our chat is trying to help here, and okay. they've got. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of people saying Stanley Johnson. They're saying that even though he didn't shoot well, his defense was good. And if you look at his stat line, indeed, three blocks, one steal, two assists, seven boards. There were moments okay. where he got matched up in situations with on Joel Embiid. Thought he held his held his own there. Um, I would agree. If, again, if you look at the shooting, it looks bad. He only scored two points. But nobody shot well tonight. So in a night where nobody shot well, I, I could see giving it to Stanley Johnson. Yeah, I guess if you had to pick somebody, I guess that's fair. I mean, he has seven rebounds. He did play good defense. And in the start lineup, his plus minus wasn't atrocious. It was only a minus two. So, I mean, mm -hmm. it wasn't that bad <laughs> compared to other guys. Like Westbrook was minus 11. I mean, THT was minus 23. I mean, my gosh. And even AD played great, but he was still a minus seven. So, I mean, yeah, I guess, but... I'm giving it to nobody. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not giving it to anybody. I'm sorry, Trevor. I can't. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I understand. I understand. I've got some people saying Austin Reeves made a few nice plays. Oh, somebody said Kent Bazemore. Kent Bazemore oh. minutes. He got three minutes off the bench. Kent Bazemore. That was a rough one. That was a rough one. Um, let's see. Oh, so many people, people say Masterlock THT. Another person said Master Lock LeBron's knees. We will get to the Master Lock of the night in just a bit. Uh, the Jammies said Russ was 9 for 15, yet his turnovers were the things that led to the Philly run. Just click, just careless. His mistakes are more negative than his good plays or positives. We already talked about that at length, about how Russ just seems to have this knack for making the wrong play at the exact wrong time. Um, and it seems to spark runs for other teams. And that's where the mistakes that he makes are particularly loud, 
compared to mistakes that other players might make. Because when Russ makes a mistake, it tends to turn into a bucket for the other team or a badly missed shot or something like that for, for the Lakers. So that's where his mistakes can get kind of compounded because it's very obvious yeah. that he messed up. Yeah, and a lot of his turnovers too are there. There's a difference. There's a every turnover is not created equal. Like a lot of Westbrook's turnovers are live ball turnovers, meaning he didn't throw out throw out of bounds. So the other team they threw out the ball and they're going to have numbers on the other side. You know, if you throw out of bounds, that's not the worst thing because at least your defense can set up. A lot of his turnovers are live ball turnovers where it creates transition points for other team. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then we've been when preaching that for years, there's a big difference between a live ball and a dead ball turnover in terms of how damaging they are to your team. If you look at all the advanced stats, you can see that transition basketball is the most, that's the most valuable thing you can get is transition offense. Um, your best offensive team in the NBA in terms of half court offense typically does not score at the same rate as your worst offensive team in transition. That's how valuable transition buckets are. And that's just in a typical season. I haven't looked at this exact season, but typically that's the way it works out. So transition buckets, transition opportunities are extremely valuable. And when you've got a guy who creates a lot of them for your opponent, that's that's not a good thing. Uh, Tony said it's frustrating to watch Russ kill momentum. No defense, turnovers, miss shots, just horrible to watch. Again, I, I still, and I, Russ was not good tonight but i still think he's got utility as a player he's just not at the level that the lakers need him to be at in moments like this which is part of why they they got him so i hesitate to just completely write off russell westbrook i can just say he just hasn't been up to the level the lakers need him at yeah the one thing i will say though to kind of be because we're really ragging on yeah. westbrook right the one thing i will say the last couple of years he has turned it on after like the all-star break, like the second half of the season, he's gotten better. So hopefully that can happen again this year for the Lakers. Hope so. Hope so. <laughs> Somebody said, Jay Son said, trade Russ for Mark Gunnels. What do you think? Mark, Mark, <laughs> are you a shooter? Can you? I actually got a pretty good shot. You... I mean, when I play a AAU ball, they used to call me Rain Man. Oh. So that was my nickname. So. There we go. Okay. We'll sign him up. We'll get you a jersey. The Lakers need some shooters out there. We'll put you out yeah, behind I'll, the three-point line. I'll spot up. <laughs> uh, Lowry, 1993, said, Empty 20 points by Russ. AD looks incredible, but we have to address the shooting guard spot. We need a big shooting guard. Avery Bradley isn't the guy. You know, it's interesting. When the Lakers had success with Avery Bradley on the floor a couple seasons ago, they had next to him Danny Green who's 6'6", long arms. He can defend more of the twos. Avery Bradley is now in a lineup alongside Russell Westbrook where he's being asked to occasionally def defend bigger players. Does that Has that made a difference in the quality of defense that we've seen out of Avery Bradley this season? Yeah, for sure, because you're asking him to, to guard guys that he shouldn't on paper really be guarding. He's kind of out of position in a sense because he's not your traditional shooting guard he's more of like a combo guard he's really the size of a point guard to be honest and like you said when you had danny green next to him danny green could kind of hide avery bradley where bradley can guard like the guy that he really should be guarding on paper but now since you don't have that danny green prototype shooting guard now he's asked to guard that guy when he's undersized for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And, you know, we went... Ron Gutterman and I in the Lakers Nation podcast talked about this. It published late last night, earlier this morning, depending on where you are. We talked about this. The Lakers roster build, like Avery Bradley was not part of it. Avery Bradley wasn't part of the plan in the offseason. Neither was Stanley Johnson. Austin Reeves was not expected to get major minutes. And yet here these guys are as key pieces to the rotation. On one hand, hey, cool. We found these guys that can play minutes. Avery Bradley has not been great, by the way. 
But I also think that he's probably more playable than some other guys. I mean, certainly more playable than like Kent Bazemore, right? So on one hand, it's great that the Lakers have been able to find guys who can at least log some minutes for you. And I do agree with the, with the comment here that Avery Bradley should probably see his role reduced a bit. I'd like to see those minutes go elsewhere. But it's also an indictment of how poorly the Lakers roster build went over the offseason. They hoped that at least a few of these better minimum guys would hit. And unfortunately, aside from Malik Monk and Mello, most of them have not. And the fact that Avery Bradley and Austin Reeves and Stanley Johnson are getting major minutes is just evidence of that. Yeah, then also Trevor Ariza as well. Yes. I, feel like he's, I feel like he's a guy that the Lakers kind of banked on. And you can kind of say maybe that was uh, premature. You know, that was a bad decision because obviously this isn't the same Ariza that Lakers fans saw back in the day. You know, this ain't that same Trevor Ariza. He's a lot older now and uh things like that so you know when you're kind of banking on a guy like that that hasn't played at a high level in a while you're kind of really like hand-stringing yourselves because now you're you're banking on somebody that probably isn't capable of doing what you need him to do and in turn now you're basically putting more on the shoulders of lebron james because he's really the only true wing player that you trust night in and night out you can't trust ariza every night you can't trust Bays more every night, uh, Avery Bradley every night. So they're in a tough spot when it comes to that position on the perimeter. The crazy thing is, and again, you you mentioned Avery Bradley. He's a guy who got added in like last minute, last minute, right? Like I don't yeah, think he'd yeah. even practiced with the Lakers yet for game one of the season. He was on the Warriors. Yeah, he was on the Warriors, right? But we talk about those guys that the Lakers brought in, these veterans that have been in the league forever, right? Have done things in this league. I think if it if it came down to getting a defensive stop, and I don't feel like this is crazy at all, I trust Stanley Johnson more than any of them. I don't think that's crazy to say at all. And, I mean, outside of I would trust LeBron more, but that's the only person I would yes. I would say. Yeah, that's the only person. And he's they just got him, they just signed him for the remainder of the season. He was on a he ten just, he was on a ten day. He was he was out of the league. He was out of the league, <laughs> and he's performing better than these guys that were signed in the offseason. I mean, that's, it's crazy. I mean, on one hand, credit to Stanley Johnson, right? Absolutely. But on the other hand, man, did some of these veteran minimum guys just not pan out for the Lakers. And it all stems from trading to get Westbrook. You didn't have that much money left. You had no choice but to get guys on minimum deals because you got three max players on your team. I mean, that's just how the salary cap works. Mm -hmm. And so you went in all, all on Westbrook, and that's just not working out like you expected it to so far. All right, let me get through a few more of these super chats that have come in here. Jared Chalker said if we get AD for the, this AD for the playoffs, we can be dangerous. Absolutely. This is the AD that we've been looking for. Now, consistency is key. I wouldn't look at this game and say this is the AD we're getting every night from here on out. We already saw it even in this game. He hurt his wrist. He went to the locker room. Everyone went, oh no, we held our breaths. So I wouldn't assume that you're getting this AD for the remainder of the season, but it was great to see that this guy still exists because we haven't seen him in a while. And I'm talking about this level of Anthony Davis that we saw tonight. He was fantastic. Oh, here's Rogue Super Chat saying, move uh, Russ to next man up. So Rogue, I did get that one. It was just, I was just saving it for a bit. Uh, Jay Renrick said, I think we need to go ahead and trade Russ. Our offense will be better no matter what wall can give us it would be even better if we could get gordon i don't know i'm if i am the lakers i'm being cautious because as much as the knee-jerk reaction is russ isn't working out get him off the team i'm always hesitant because you can make it worse it can be worse than that. like if you give up the 2027 first and you make that trade and then you find out John Wall's not as good, or John Wall is still injury-prone, injury, injury prone, or he doesn't have the same burst anymore, then you've just made things significantly worse for yourself moving forward. So you got to be really careful with this and not just rage trade Russell Westbrook out of Los Angeles. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and say what you want about Russ. The one thing we can say about him, he's there every single night. He's there every night. You know he's going to be there. He's, he's been shown to be durable. And when you have that, you can be optimistic and say, okay, maybe we can work it out, you know, because we know he's going to be there every single night. So we can maybe work it out, you know, get more reps in. And then obviously 
He hasn't played with AD that much either. I mean, let's just be fair. Him and AD haven't played that much together. AD just came back. So, you know, you still got a little bit of time before the trade deadline. Well, a few weeks here. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't think they'll make a trade like tomorrow. I think they'll wait it out until like the very last day if they wanted to make a trade with Westbrook. But um, yeah, let's just see how it goes. And then as far as AD, is he going to play tomorrow? Is he playing back-to-back shit? I haven't heard anything on that yet. Good question. So here's what Frank Vogel said, because he we asked him that um, today in the, the pregame press conference. So Vogel uh, said what they're going to do is they're going to take whatever happens tonight, happens, and then tomorrow they're going to see how Anthony Davis is feeling, which is the right approach, I think. They're going to wait and see, because usually like if something's going to bother you, Sometimes right after a game, you're okay. You go to sleep, though. You wake up the next morning, and you're like, oh, no. Actually, I'm pretty sore, right? So they're going to yeah. see how AD feels tomorrow and then go from there. If he's feeling okay, they're going to play him. They don't have any rule in place that he sits back-to-backs. They're going to uh, determine tomorrow after he wakes up, though, and then make make a decision. Okay. Yeah, I feel like a lot of fans were probably wondering mm-hmm. that, so that was good. Though. I've got... I've got a lot of people in the chat asking me as well if LeBron is going to play. Again, um, LeBron, from what Frank Vogel told us before the game, he's he's day he's literally day to day. Okay, he would not rule him out for tomorrow's game. Said if he feels significantly better tomorrow, he's going to play. Told us they're not worried about getting scans or any of that kind of stuff. They think he's going to be all right. It's just a little bit sore. And if the soreness is gone tomorrow, then he'll play tomorrow. If not, then he won't. So that's where it's at. We'll see. Dre Johnson said the 2020 squad showed us brotherhood and having each other's backs, uh, uh, having each other backs brought championships. Uh, There's been, that was a very unique situation. First of all, you had a lot of players who just, sometimes chemistry is a difficult thing to, to really put your finger on. Like exactly how do you develop that? They had pieces that fit. They had guys that had a similar mindset, and that's not an easy thing. Hey, let's go get this guy, this guy, this guy. These guys all kind of think the same. We think these players are going to get along. Sometimes it doesn't work that way. You think something's going to work, and then it doesn't. It's just personalities clash or or whatever. Um, That's the way human nature is. But they also had come-together moments during that season, and they played, they, don't get me wrong, they played great. They they shot out of, the, out of the gates like a cannon. They were fantastic from the get-go. That team just clicked. But think about it. Before the season even started, what happened? The incident in China where they, together as a team, are in a foreign country with some hostility going on. They're not sure what's going to happen. They have to stay together. And so that creates a bonding environment. Right, they they're forced to lean on each other. They're dealing with the same situation at the same time. They're dealing with the same emotions. They're dealing with the same potential threat. Right, they're dealing with all of that. Are they going to be able to get out of the country? Like that was a legit question. And then, of course, in January, the anniversary was yesterday. Kobe Bryant passes away, and again, they lean on each other. I'll never forget all the players standing there, arm in arm, and you know Quinn Cook crying, and and all you know all of them. Uh, Anthony Davis still crying as they do the opening tip-off for the game against the Portland Trailblazers. Um, They had to rely on each other for that. And so that shared experience can create a bond within a team. And sometimes you see that play out on the floor where guys just, they just have that connectiveness. So I think that team wasn't just unique in terms of their personalities. They were also unique in terms of having those fairly traumatic things to go through, which can create a unifying effect across the team. And then the bubble too, you know, going to the bubble and have to like be roommates, kind of like a college type of atmosphere. You know, you can't go anywhere. You have to stay on the campus. I mean, so that as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, all those things put together. I mean, yeah, you, you make a great point. Yeah. That, no, that's, that's also a great point. The bubble, maybe it's not a surprise then given what they had to go through that, the Lakers were the team that lasted through the bubble when other teams were struggled a bit more with, with that yeah. particular situation. Um, let's see. Comment here, Super Chat. West Brick, four different teams last four seasons. There's a reason for that. Look, he has definitely bounced around quite a bit. Uh, here's a strategy question. Kadeem Gaines said, with the team doing more switching defensively, what do you two think of giving Kent Bazemore one more shot at playing? I feel like he's more suited for a switching defense might help his offense. 
So with Frank Vogel going more switch heavy, do you give Kent Bazemore another look? I mean, it's worth a shot. I mean, the one thing I will say about him, he has long, he has long arms, and he is a little bigger than A.B. Bradley. So, you know, maybe you can kind of lean on that as far as, you know, his length, his size. And, you know, he is um, he's pretty athletic as well, too. Uh, the thing about him is, I mean, I guess you could say the same thing about Bradley, too, though. He's a very, very inconsistent shooter offensively, and he does make bad decisions as far as with the basketball. That's part of the reason why the Warriors didn't want him anymore. And you see now the Warriors have a, guy, a lot of guys that play smart, high-level IQ basketball. The ball, the ball's moving around and stuff like that. They got rid of Baysmore. They got rid of uh, Kelly Oubre because they didn't fit their you know ball movement type of system with the screens and stuff like that. So there's a reason why. And I always say this. I said this before I think about Baysmore. When you see like a team like Belichick or something for football, mm-hmm. or like the Warriors has been really smart lately, they get off a guy and they really didn't have to, you might not want to take on that guy. <laughs> it's probably a reason why he's available. That's that is a good point. That is a good point. Um, and maybe that's something that um that the Lakers should have paid a little more attention to with it. But you know what? I was high on Baysmore coming in too. I thought this is a guy with some long arms, can guard probably twos or threes, can help you out there, shot just well enough from three to keep defenses honest, but just hasn't quite worked for the Lakers this year. I don't know. I don't I'm not expecting that to suddenly work if uh if they give him a try. I think they've given him some garbage time minutes. Every time the Lakers have tried to go to him, though, it hasn't worked out. I'm not I'm not holding my breath for it to work this time. Um, yeah, me neither. Positives. AD looked great. Keep up the great work. Well, thank you. But uh, as far as AD looking great, he absolutely did. Uh, Michael Pulowski said, THT, Westbrook, DJ, a first, three seconds for Wall and Wood all day, every day. Stretch big, who could start next to AD or come off the bench, open up some ros- opens up a roster spot, keep none, give Reeves more minutes. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the argument for it, for doing a trade like that. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm for it. If you attach Wood to it, I'm, I'm all for it. James Lopez, Lakers should have kept Wesley Matthews. Thank you, guys. You know... Maybe. I mean, you can make that argument. Would Wesley Matthews be helping more than Bazemore? Probably. Probably. I understand why the Lakers wanted to move on and everything, but it wouldn't have cost you much to keep him. Would have been another veteran minimum. Yeah. But also, that's kind of one of those Danny Green type of things. Mm-hmm. You know, when he was here, Laker fans weren't too fond of him. But now that he's not here, you're like, oh, maybe he wasn't really that bad after <laughs> all. <laughs> so yeah it's kind of one of those things like when he's not here you kind of think of him in a higher light for some reason but, but then when he's on your team you're like okay i kind of remember why i wasn't that mad that uh he's not on the team anymore that you know there were times last season when west matthews was unplayable when you couldn't put him on the floor when he couldn't hit a shot um, he did eventually break out of that funk, but there were some rough times for him. And I remember our chats were not too happy with him for a while there. Uh, yeah. Benjamin, how confident are you none will play? The Lakers have continued to maintain that this is not, they don't even want to use the word setback for Kendrick Nunn for what's happened. They've said what's happening with him. This is according to Frank Vogel himself has said when they ramp up Kendrick Nunn, the soreness in his knee also ramps up like an equal amount. And so that's what they're concerned with right now. But they don't want to call it a setback. They're, they're just trying to ease him back into things a little bit slower. So it, it to me, that's that sounds like a setback, but they've been very hesitant to use that word. They've also made it pretty clear that they are still expecting to see him back out there. So I'm going to continue to expect that he will play at some point. We had heard that it was going to be before the end of January. Obviously, that's now looking very much in doubt. I don't think that's going to happen. But I'm not going to write him off for the season at this point because there is still a decent chunk of the year left. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't have a report or a source or anything, but it, my educated guess would be maybe shortly after the All-Star break. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I'm thinking at this point. Austin Davison said, can they buy out Russ this offseason? How does that affect the salary cap? So if they buy out Russell Westbrook, so next year he's got a $47 million contract. Almost certainly everybody around the NBA expects him to pick up that $47 million player option. So he does that. Now let's say you go and you buy him out. 
So you buy him out. That doesn't mean that you're necessarily freeing up all that cap space, right? Because he's not going to take a buyout of, uh, you're not going to suddenly buy him out for 20 million or, or whatever. You're going to buy him out and then he's going to go play somewhere else. He's going to want though the bulk of his money. So you're not going to free up a bunch of cap space by doing a buyout. That money's still going to be sitting there on your books. You're just not going to have him on the roster anymore. By the way, Luol Deng's money, for those of you who are wondering, finally comes off the Lakers books as of July 1. So, But I, I would not expect the buyout to be an option with Russell Westbrook this offseason. If anything, the Lakers would try to, to trade him as an expiring contract. Yeah, I was just going to ask, Trevor, just going to be another Luol Dang situation where the Lakers are paying him until 2030. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Could you imagine if you – so let's say you bought out Russ. Let's say you paid him $40 million out of his 47 or whatever. And then you can stretch it. You can double the length of the contract plus one. So you can stretch that over three years. So, I mean, could you imagine if you had Russ's money on the books, if you had – $13.3 million on the books of dead money for the next three years, just sitting there. People have been upset with Luol Dang's $5 million. That would, that would definitely hurt. Yes. Oh yeah. That would be terrible. All right. We do need to get into the master lock of the night to close things out. So we take whatever was the most annoying thing from this game and we put it in our good friend, Chris, the masterpiece masters finishing hold the wrestling ring, the master lock. So chat, if you're coming in from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter, let us know what are you putting in the master lock from this game? Fire it off. Give us your comments. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm already seeing a lot of three letters. THT is coming up a lot here. Oh, man. Mark, who are you putting in the master lock from this one? I mean, I agree with the chat. I mean, I don't see how you can't. I mean, with, Le with no LeBron tonight. I was I went into the game expecting this to be a THT type of night. Like I knew AD was gonna be pretty good. I, I wasn't expecting 31 points. I wasn't expecting that. So he he exceeded my expectations definitely. But I knew AD would be you know the best player for Lakers tonight for sure. But I thought THT could be that second or third guy that can get you you know 15 to 20 points tonight. And he just wasn't that guy at all. I mean he didn't he didn't get no easy looks. He seemed to struggle to get his shot off. And maybe he's, he's he wasn't even that aggressive either. I felt like he could have been more aggressive in spots too. It's like he was pretty passive, which kind of surprised me considering the Lakers really needed somebody else to step up and fill in that scoring when you're missing a LeBron James. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't argue with that. I can't argue with the chat. I thought this was a great opportunity for THT to step up. He did not do that. I will say just to throw something different out there. I'm not going to disagree. He would probably, if you hadn't picked THT, he would have been my pick. But since you picked THT, uh, I want to throw something else out there. Philly fans, why are you getting into it with Carmelo Anthony? Buying a ticket to a game <laughs> does not give you the right to say stuff to players on the floor. That doesn't give you the right to act like a jerk. So Philly fans, in this case, and I shouldn't, I shouldn't say all Philly fans, but the fans who are getting on Carmelo Anthony, the fans who are screaming at him, look, unlike when you're at home and you're yelling at your TV, they can actually hear you when they're right out there on the floor. And as much as we deify athletes, these are, in fact, human beings. They hear what you're saying to them. It affects them. And that kind of stuff, there's just, there's no place for it. There's no place for it in professional sports. Yeah, totally agree. And, you know, Philly, they kind of have a bad rep, man, of things like this. You know, they got into it with Westbrook before when he was, um, I think, on OKC or mm -hmm. Houston. I can't remember. He got into it with a fan. And then, obviously, we know the Eagles fans. They threw uh, snowballs at Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> right. Philly fans, are, they're a different breed, man. And I know people just kind of – but that, people will say, well, oh, yeah, it's Philly fans. They're just known as, as being that, that – that doesn't, to me, that doesn't excuse it. It's just, oh, that's just the way they are. No, be better than that. Oh, yeah, be no, and I, I know sure. that's not what you're saying. You're not saying that's an excuse. Yeah. But I see people writing it off as, oh, that's just Philly fans. No, be better than than that, right? Yeah, because that, that just gives them a free pass to be like, hey, I could just be a Philly fan tonight, you know, and I can just get away with it because they're going to say, that's just Philly being Philly. You got to hold them accountable. Absolutely, 100%. All right, guys, 
that's going to wrap things up tonight. Now, obviously, we have another show tomorrow night because the Lakers take on the Charlotte Hornets. Second night of a back-to-back -back on the road. Always difficult. The Lakers now got to hop on a plane, travel to Charlotte, and then play the Hornets tomorrow night. Um, hopefully, fingers crossed, LeBron and AD will be in action. Again, we'll be waiting for word tomorrow. Vogel said they're going to wait and see how AD is feeling in the morning to make a determination there. We'll see. I haven't looked at the post-game quotes. Maybe he gave a little bit more info. And then LeBron, we'll see. Hopefully his knee is feeling better and he can go tomorrow. But regardless, whether they play or not, we will be here after the game, breaking everything down with you. So make sure you do subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications as well. Mark, thanks for coming on here. This has been a lot of fun. Um, we got to have you on more, uh, more post-game shows. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm going to definitely do more of these, man. I had a good time. I enjoyed myself. And everybody, make sure before each game that we we had a technical issue today, but before each game, Mark puts out his picks for for betting the game, and we put those up on the YouTube channel as well. So far, I, I don't remember what your record is at, Mark, but you're in the positive. Yeah, I'm definitely over 500 right now, for sure. Definitely over 500. If you've been if you've been betting along with Mark, you've made some money this season. So make sure that you guys do check that out as well. That goes up before each game, and uh, you can get in on that action as well. Till next time, everybody. Stay safe, and see ya. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team. You won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.